to my pastor, my pastor's wife. Because I think we've got the best ones in the entire world. Amen. And also recognize the honor it is to occupy this pulpit, even when it doesn't feel like an honor, especially when it doesn't feel like an honor. I am very thankful to be given this opportunity to share the word. And thank you, Brother Playl, for corralling this ragtag team of preachers and uh, covering home base as pastor is away. Thank you. My opening scripture is 1 Peter 5, 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. See, I have a confession to make to all of you tonight, and to you, Brother Playl. I have hate in my heart. Not only that. I hope it spreads to every single person in this congregation. I hate the devil. I hate how he messes with my family. I hate how he messes with my church. I hate how he tries to mess with my community. I hate his lies. I hate his tactics. I hate his stinking face and his rotten guts. And I just want to talk about some of his tactics tonight. You can be seated. As you read in his word, as I read in in the word, I start to see how the devil likes to pile on his lies. You see, there's, there's a tactic in debate called a straw man. And a straw man is built... With all these strands, all these pieces of straw of either just a partial truth or an outright lie. And as it's assembled, you have this fake argument standing in front of you that completely distracts you from where you're trying to go. I hope you see the parallels here. So I want to look at just a few of those strands, a few of those pieces of straw, and hopefully as we go on, we can dismantle this straw man one by one, and at the very end, we see that there's nothing left but empty clothes. John 8, 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. If you want to see the context of that sentence, read the rest of that chapter. But I'm going to move on here. It says, He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He didn't adopt lying. He is the very father of lying. One of the things that he loves to lie to us about is our standing with God. Oh, you're basically good, Brother Anthony. What do you need to go to church all the time for? What are you reading his words so much for? Brother Stacy, why are you studying so hard? You're You're pretty good. You're a pretty good guy. How about this? 
there's no need for salvation. Just do your best and that should be enough. That is a lie and a distraction. The devil would love nothing more for you to believe that. Because this is what the Bible says. Genesis 6-5 is talking about the nature of man that caused the very flood that we read about later on. It says, and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's the nature of man. That's the, the natural man that's on the inside. There is much evil there. I need salvation. I need a Savior. Praise the Lord. Whew. That one's louder. Psalms 36, 1 and 4 says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, the servant of the Lord, the transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Verse 4 says, He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He sitteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Do you know what that means, abhorreth? That means to hate. Hate. It doesn't mean, oh, the thing I'm doing right now, I know it's not right, but uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good anyway. God will wink at that. No, no, right here it says, if I don't hate evil, then I am that wicked man. We have to hate evil. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nothing I can do to earn His grace. There's no one here that deserves it, but I am so glad that He gives it freely. He died on that cross for me at my very worst. I love Him because He loved me first. Before I even existed to know what love was, he loved me in a way that nobody here could love me. Amen? I need that Savior because I am not good on my own. The other lie that Satan likes to sell to us is about hell. Listen, he, he would love nothing more than everyone in this building to end up there. Because hell is real, and somebody's going there. I know that's a little harsh for a Wednesday night. That place is not going to be empty. Listen, I know I've read to the end of the book. I know who wins at the end. I think it would do us good to make sure we're on that winning side. Amen? How about this one? Well, hell's going to be more fun. All my friends are going to be there. Huh? I had a, 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 a journeyman. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an electrician, and we go through an apprenticeship. And, and a man that I looked up to and, and still do in that realm, I, I tried my best. I tried my best to reach him, and he just one day he cut me short and goes, Robbie, 
if all the people that do everything that I like to do are going to that place, and all the straight-laced people that don't, don't like doing any of those things are going there, where do you think I want to go? That is a lie from the very pits of hell to make you think that there's going to be anything enjoyable in hell. There will be no joy. There won't even be a drop of water to quench your thirst or cool your tongue. Biting, gnashing of teeth, you will know no joy. But the good news is we have a way out. I don't have to go there. How did, how did you, your, the brother put it last night, or the, the, not too long ago? Heaven and hell both exist, and you aren't going to miss both of them. That was Brother Tostin. That's who it was. I, I'm not going to forget that saying. The other lie he likes to sell to us is about the character of God. How about that God's not saying the whole truth and maybe he's holding back? Or God can't be completely good. There's got to be some evil in him, right? In fact, if there wasn't some evil in God, why would there be pain and suffering in the world? Here's what the Bible says. Genesis 3, 4, and 5 says, And the serpent said unto the woman, this is one of the first things he does, is question God's, his character, his authority. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You see, that's just that little bit of a twist of truth. That's what makes it more believable, isn't it? First Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 through 12 says, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For, that, for what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world... Not just the worldly wisdom, amen, but the spirit which is of God that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Brother, there's no greater wisdom you could ever achieve than to by following God and his word. There's no greater wisdom you'll ever find anywhere in this world than the wisdom of God. And he gives it liberally. We've been reading that all year, right? He gives it to all men liberally who ask. He doesn't hold back. I'm going to skip here to uh, the next lie is what makes you happy. Just one more dollar an hour. Just one more trinket. Just one more snow machine. 
Listen, I get it. I, I don't see very many people with a scowl on their face when they're on a jet ski. That's not true joy, though. Hebrews 12.1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with such a great cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us. So easily beset us. There's a reason why this is one of his top lies. Because it easily besets us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. God is the true source of happiness. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. If what he's bringing and selling to you is what you think is happiness or joy, do not be fooled. That is just a part of that straw man because the overall goal of whatever he is offering is death, deception, and taking everything, stealing everything that you already have. But it says, I am come. That they might have life, and not just life. Not just make it by. Not just squeak through life. But that they might have it more abundantly. Psalm 1611 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, the right way through life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand there are pleasures forevermore. This is a joy that isn't just now, but it's now and it's forever. I want to be at the presence, at the very feet of Jesus for the rest of my days and for the rest of my very existence. Not just here in this world, not just here in this realm, but in heaven forevermore. And I'm going to close with this. The best way to deal with a straw man arg argument is to, one, identify or know the truth. Two, refocus. Get your eyes on Jesus. Three, stay on the task, and that's make it to heaven. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good, Brother Robbie. Amazingly enough, we don't talk beforehand. You guys get up to preach or teach. You don't go, hey, what are you preaching on? <laughs> Doesn't work that way, does it, Brother Stacy? Um, so I want to be mindful of the time. If you'd look at Acts chapter 2, you don't have to turn there. Verse 42. got something for us today. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And Sunday talked about to be continued, about how important it is, Brother Anthony, we continue on this, this endeavor. We're so 
so mindful of the fact that we must be born again. That's absolute. It's of the most importance. Nicodemus was told that by Jesus in John 3. This is repetitive, but Brother DJ, he said, you can't enter, you can't see without being born again. You've got to be born again. After the day of Pentecost, there was a work that began. After you were baptized in Jesus' name and got the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance, I'm telling you what, it was a journey and is still a journey. It's about trying to make heaven our home. Amen. We're not, we're not just looking at this saying, I, I'm just going to ride this out and I'll end up wherever. No, I've got every intention, Brother Darren. I hope you have every intention. The things that you put down, the things that you're, you're striving for, whether it, it is those toys or those relaxations, don't, don't, I'm not against those. But if those take precedence and they take importance over making heaven your home, then they're in the way. They're in the way. Move them out of the way. So I just want to follow up with Sunday. You're going, no, no, not again. To be continued, but part two is D-Day. June 1944, we know that the beaches of Normandy, France, there was an invasion that took place. But that entire invasion was all, if you look at that thing, it was all orchestrated. Because they knew that all of those gun turrets and all of those soldiers on the beach of Normandy would destroy anyone who came tried to get up against them. And so they devised a plan and they said, if we can fool Hitler into believing that up north we've got a whole lot of people and we've got tanks and we've got planes and we're going to do an invasion from there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know this part of the story? And so they took from Macy's Day Parade, they had all those balloons. And so they said, you know what? If we'll get Hitler to believe that we have all of these resources here, he'll move his forces to battle that. And say they made tanks out of rubber balloons and they made airplanes and jeeps and they made it look like they had a million people on the beach. And then they launched the invasion where they wanted to, and that was on the beaches of Normandy. It was no easy task. There were many people that died. Some 156,000 men came in boats onto the beaches. 23,000 men, Brother Seth, came in and parachuted the night before so they could get into place. This was a strategic attack because they needed to stop Hitler. So hate the devil? Hate the devil? It's not time to play Mamsie Pamsie. It's not time to, to do patty cake. You know the kids? I love it when the kid little girls do that. All my little girls did that. And they had the little thing they'd say, and they'd go over and on, and faster and faster and faster and faster. I'm going. Distractions. 
kind of talked about that, Brother Robbie. And so we've got to talk about D-Day. I'm going to give you three Ds. Distractions. Luke 9.62 tells us like this. I gave you the King James? Yeah, and then I gave you the, the Passion Translation. Jesus said, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. He said, you got to grab a hold of that plow and you got to look forward. They say when those farmers would grab those plows and they had a yoke of oxen or whatever it was that was pulling them to till up that ground, that if you weren't on your observant behavior, if you were just looking out into left field, anyone ever play right field in baseball? You know why you went to right field? Because you were probably the worst player on the team. That was before all of a sudden people hit left-handed. And then they said, hey, we're going to go left-handed. So they started hitting the right field. And they said, oh, man, we can't send Bobby out there. Up we've got to send somebody who gets the ball. Somebody who's in the ballpark, not looking who's going to get a hot dog and a soda later. You've got to grab a hold of that plow, and you've got to get ready for a ride. It may buck you to the left or to the right. If I could give you a CKP edition, that's CKP. You're wondering what that one is. That's Clint Cody Player. Put your hand on a plow and don't look back. The Passion Translation says it like this. He said, why do you keep looking backwards to your past and have second thoughts about following me? You're going to follow Jesus, then follow Jesus. You're going to get in this thing, then get in this thing. Make up your mind, I'm going to live for God. Stop playing church. Distractions will mess up somebody who's trying to make it to heaven. Philippians 3.14 said, Paul said to those in Philippi, he said, press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I press towards that mark. I've got my mind made up. That's where I'm going. Joshua said, 1-7, turn not to the right or to the left. I'm paraphrasing. Proverbs Solomon said it like this. Keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't get distracted about what's going on over here. Don't get all caught up in what's going on over there. Get out of every, everybody else's business and start living for God. Stop worrying about your sister, your brother, what they're doing across the street. Just live for God. Distractions are real. Oddly enough, mine are not yours and yours are not mine. You already quoted it, Brother Robbie. Carlos already put some verses out there and in line with this. Hebrews 12, verse 1, he talked about the sin which so easily beset us. He said, let us lay aside every weight. The Amplified reads it like this. Listen to this. It's lengthy. I think a woman wrote the Amplified. I'm just saying. Some of you are so serious. He said, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to let us strip off and throw aside every encumbrance, unnecessary weight. 
throw it aside. Get rid of it. But what we often forget is that the very beginning of this verse is the, is the portion of the verse that says, you can do this. He said, we're surrounded about by a great cloud of witnesses. Means that those patriarchs, those men, those women, those young people before you and before me that have done it, they're there going, if you could hear them in the gallery, if you could hear them inside the dugout when you're up there up against that guy that throws an 85-mile-an-hour fastball and you're seven years old. You can do this. You can make it, Brother Dave. Sister Brenda, you got it in you. So often we forget that. We forget that. The precious victories, the overcomers, the cheering corner, the amen corner. Distractions. They come. They can be self or they can come from the enemy. But the enemy sends things to distract you and me. Oh, Potiphar. Second thing's doubt, Brother Richard. Doubt comes when we think God can't do it. Or that God won't do it. That's doubt. Matthew 14, 31 says, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The previous verses coming up to this, as you read that by yourself, is talking about Peter and the disciples were in a boat in the midst of a storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water, on the waves, on their, their storm. He's walking on it. And he shows up, Brother Carl, Carlos, and, and they look out there, and they go, that's Jesus. Let me think. And so yeah, they begin to converse back and forth, and, and Peter says, if you want me to come forth, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. In your Bible, I know it says, he got out of the boat and he walked on the water. Now that's just for those guys in the Old Testament. That's just for those old patriarchs. Some of you have witnessed, witnessed miracles, maybe not walking on water, but just as spectacular. Some of you have gone through some things, and you know that God, only God was in the middle of that. God bid you, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Believe in me and trust in me, and you're going to get through this thing. A miracle sent from God. 5,000 fed fishes and loaves, blind and deaf people. And Peter just witnessed this, and he just walked on the water, and all of a sudden he begins to lose faith. How did he lose it, Brother Eugene? He took his eyes off of Jesus and looked upon the circumstances and the elements that were around him. We already talked about distractions. What did he say? Keep your eyes straight ahead. Keep your eyes on Jesus, and you won't worry about what's going on next door. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You don't have a problem with backbiting, with gossip, with hatred, and saying things that are just unprofitable. Doubt. 
What happened to your faith? 28.17, Matthew said that some doubted. We're told that Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Brother Carlos, without faith, it's impossible to believe. It's impossible. You can't. To please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What's Luke or Mark eleven twenty two through twenty four says? Have faith in God. Twenty three says, I say, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Come on, you're in the middle of a trial right now, brother. You're in the middle of a trial, sister. It's not time to doubt God. God can do anything and everything and all things, but you have to have faith that God can do it. He says, you can speak unto that mountain. You can speak unto that situation, that circumstance, and say, be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he saith shall come to pass. Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Faith and doubt cannot coexist. Can't do it. Can't do it. You wonder where doubt comes? I'll tell you where people get doubted is when all of a sudden they take their eyes off of Jesus. You know when people have problems with faith and doubt is when they get their nose out of the book. I'm talking about your Bible. When you stop reading your Bible, it is almost impossible to have faith. You just can't have it. Our world is filled with doubt. Everything about the news, everything about everything is negativity. It's about tearing down. Yeah, you should hate the devil because you know what he's trying to do? He's trying to reach your kids. He's trying to reach your spouse. Come on, your wife, your husband, your family. He's trying to tear it down. The very institution of marriage is about tearing down the principles of godliness. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Romans 10, 17. People, you and I, when we're not in the word, our faith is wavering. Our faith is just, it's minimal. You have a measure. He gave everyone a measure. But your faith is not operating in a sense where it needs to be. My faith will not allow me to continue seeking God if it's not if it's not bounded grounded in the word of God you show me people who read their bible regular and do it with that with a passion I'll show you people got faith when I'm down and I'm sick I'm going through a situation those are the people I'm looking for I'm looking for sister Herring because I know she reads her bible and I know she has faith Pray for me about this situation, sister, because I know you got faith. And the last one's discouragement. And discouragement comes when we think, I can't do it. It's not that God can't do it or God won't do it, but I can't do it. I'm not able. 
I know this, Brother Christopher. I am nothing without God. I am not elevating self in any avenue whatsoever. But when God says to you, do it. Just do it. Numbers 13, 12 spies sought out the promised land to bring back a report. You know the scriptures. You know the story itself. Joshua and Caleb, verse 30 of chapter 13, come back and says, we are well able to overcome it. In the CEV, it says, I know we can do it. Verse 31, Brother Justin says, this is what the others said. We're not able to go up against the people. We can't do it. Discouragement says, I can't do it. They somehow lose the ability to recognize all the things that God has done and what he is doing so that you can do it. So you can look at that scripture in Philippians and say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I recognize on my own I am nothing. But with God, I can do anything. For Samuel 30, verse 6 says, David was greatly distressed. You know the story. Well, he's distressed, Brother Marshall, because they're going to stone him. They said, we're doing what you told us to do, and we came back, and our families are gone. You're history, buddy. And so he called a meeting with the elders, and he said, let's get together and let's have a, let's have a little kumbaya session. I'm going to call the district superintendent. No, the Bible says that David encouraged himself. Discouragement came to his door. I don't know what to do. I don't think I can do anything. I'm going to die. And so he began to think about, you know what encouraged him? When he thought about when a lion came, when a bear came, when a big giant guy named Goliath came, when things came against him and God got him through it, he said, I know I can do it. When you go back and you begin to glean the things, the situations that got you where you're at. Verse 8, David inquired of the Lord, shall I overtake them? He didn't do it without praying. First of all, he encouraged himself and then he sought God's advice. Should I go get my family back? You're thinking, I don't need to pray about that, of course. No, he was looking for God's guidance. Stop trying to do everything on your own. Seek God's will. Seek his advice. Seek his direction. And he said, yeah, you should go get him back. And we know that he did. I find that individuals who are unhappy with themselves, it happens to be solely because of where they're at in God. I'm unhappy and I'm mad and I want you to know that I am. Discouragement. We look to see others' faults, supposed faults, and we overlook our own. 
We look at Philippians 4, verse 13. It says, I can't do all things because my strength isn't from being in Christ. People are discouraged. They're people that are constantly, constantly looking for the next euphoria to fill a void that only God can fill. What's the good news? Did I give you that, the good news for that verse? Philippians 4.13. It says, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power that Christ gives me. Distractions, they can be self-inflicted or they can be the enemy. Doubts and discouragements are both results that come from me. Stop blaming the preacher. Stop blaming your boss. Stop blaming your spouse. Somebody hear me today. Stop looking at others and and saying, you're the fault of this. You're the reason why I feel the way that I am. Stop it, stop it, stop it. You want to continue on? You want to be victorious? Then you've got to get the joy back yourself. You've got to put those distractions and you've got to put the doubts that God can do it and you got to put the discouragement away. My last comment, you can stand so I'll make sure that I'm very short. Not on my notes. But you know that I don't find a single place in the Scripture where somebody's depressed. people that get discouraged for a moment. Don't get depressed. Depressed is when you let discouragement rule your life. Depression comes when you don't do anything with what you know to do. When you say, you know what? I'm just fine the way I am. I'll be angry. I'll be mad. You can't shake my hand. You can't love me. You can't tell me you like me. I don't want anything to do with you. Everybody's to blame. So what does the world do? Take two of these. And then all we do is mask the problem. We mask the problem. It was such a devised. I love the plan that Churchill and some of those put together in order to fool Hitler. The ways they did that. You know the devil doesn't know everything. He doesn't know what you're thinking until you say it. Well, I'm feeling kind of down. Keep your opinion to yourself. (laughs) I'm going to praise the Lord anyway. It works. It works. It was a great victory that took place. Hitler was stopped. The devil was stopped. He said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I'm seeking God. I'm seeking the ways of God. I don't want there to be any place in my life for those things to be. If they've been there, I'm going to get rid of them. 
These altars are open. You want to pray. You want to pray right where you're at. You're more than welcome. You know that. Altars are always open. Always. If you just bow your head and just pray for just a moment tonight. God, we love you and praise you. We so are so thankful, God, that you love us and you care about us. And that you're always there for us. And your scripture reminds me that you, you'll never leave me nor forsake me. But you'll be with me. And, you're, you're, and you'll not let things come against me more than what I'm able to bear. But with that temptation, make a way of escape. I know, God, that escape plan is crawling into your lap. I know that if I'll just seek you and your presence, that I'll find the answer. You're my answer, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Take away doubt. Take them away, God. Help me to remember.